Now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com. It's time for Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Let's tap into your own authentic genius and live the life you desire. Join Dr. Rademacher for an enlightened conversation about our brain intelligence, our body intelligence, and our energy intelligence. And now, here's your host, Dr. Bart Rademacher. I'm Dr. Bart Rademacher, and this is Prescription for Your Transformation. Real people, real conversations, and real success. And while I usually talk to other people, today is an important topic that I wanted to address myself, and that is testosterone treatment in men, specifically. And we're going to do the series of uh, different uh, talks about different types of what I call regenerative medicine approaches which traditionally have been isolated in different areas, sort of like hormone replacement therapy or IV therapy. And I'm going to lump them all together in in the context of what is regenerative medicine, essentially optimizing the body to perform at its best. And within that realm, you know, we have to look at all the different aspects of what it is that we can address so that we can optimize our body in the best possible way. And so for today, it's gonna be about hypogonadism in men. But I wanna begin with a disclaimer. And the disclaimer is this, is that clinical science of hormone therapy is still an evolving field, even though the science of testosterone therapy is over 100 years old. And a part of the problem today is a continued misunderstanding and misinformation of the science that also affects how patients are being treated differently. The purpose of the series is actually to provide the listener enough information surrounding the concepts of testosterone replacement therapy in order for them to determine if they actually should consider it and seeking a medical consultation for testosterone therapy and to have enough knowledge to be able to ask the right questions during such consultations. You know, being in the medical field for the last 40 years, I know it can be quite confusing at times. And hopefully, the series will actually help you make the right decisions. The series doesn't represent my personal views on the matter. Rather, those obtained from multiple sources. And each individual must verify for themselves the information. I will say that perhaps the most important thing I can add is to make sure that you have a full understanding of the topic and fully understand and commit to your personal role in any treatment plan. And this goes for everything in regenerative medicine. In today's world of medicine, the consumer has that opportunity to acquire all the needed information and consultation in order to make the best decision for themselves and know what the responsibilities are as well. It isn't it is no longer acceptable to simply abdicate all responsibility of one's own health. And adding to that, we must always be aware of and question the progress we are making and respond immediately if there are changes to the expected outcomes. So let's begin with hypogonadism. It occurs in about 6% of the male population in the age range of about 30 to 69. So hypogonadism really means a diminished functional activity of the gonads, which includes the testes in men and the ovaries in women, and often associated with a decreased secretion of sex hormones. 
So the problem with the prevalence of hypogonadism in men is that it is mostly unrecognized. The symptoms are considered as, a diff as different medical conditions or simply part of the aging process that the doctor will tell you you have to accept. So another problem with hypogonadism, hypogonadism and I'm thinking I'm going to use high, uh, low T. It's going to be a lot easier to say that, low T. In men is that in the treatment is, first of all, there's still much debate as to what the right treatment range it needs to be. And there's much variability in what the normal level of testosterone should be in each individual. And then, of course, the fear of all sorts of potential problems, including the risk of prostate cancer. So in considering hypogonadism or low T in men, we must also consider not only what the typical symptoms are, but also its association with many other medical conditions as part of the cause or the effect of the actual condition. So in other words, low T can't be considered in isolation. So be to begin, low testosterone or low T in adult males can include any of the following symptoms. So general symptoms would include unexplained fatigue or depression, reduced muscle bulk, or strength, depressed mood, dysthemia, which are also mood disorders or mood irregularities, feeling sad or blue, decreased energy, motivation, initiative, or self-confidence, poor concentration and poor memory recall, sleep disturbances or increased sleepiness, mild anemia, which usually due to iron deficiency, increased body fat, or what's called the metabolic syndrome. And we'll talk more about that later on. Very specific symptoms for low T would include loss of libido or sex drive, erectile dysfunction, decreased spontaneous morning erections, loss of body hair, particularly in the axilla and the armpit and the pubic areas, small or shrinking testes. So essentially less than, I think it's six uh, mLs. Infertility, so low sperm counts. Pathologic fractures, which means you know, fractures that occur too easily and low bone mineral density. So before I start talking about how we define the different types of low T in men or hypogonadism, it is helpful to actually know the relationship with other conditions. So take chronic inflammation as an example. This is a, a related to low levels of testosterone. So chronic inflammation has an association with low T. A leaky gut can also cause chronic inflammation through what is called the, a bacterial endotoxemia. So as particles of undigested food and bacteria pass through the leaks in the gut and cause factors like TNF-alpha and IL-6, which are cytokines that you probably already heard about, will also cause a reduction in the synthesis or the production of testosterone by the cells in the testicle. So low T is considered a biomarker for many other medical conditions, which means that the diagnosis of low T should be to take into consideration other conditions that are either influenced by a low T level or as part of the cause of low T. So said again, 
It's a biomarker, like we test different kinds of labs to make a suggestion of a particular medical condition. And low T is a suggestion for these conditions or the result of. So, um, you know, take obesity as an example. It not only causes low levels of testosterone, but low levels of testosterone promote obesity. It's a very complex relationship, but it's kind of like a vicious cycle that one is promoting the other. So conditions that are associated either as a cause or an effect of low T include abdominal obesity, depression, high blood pressure or hypertension, high blood sugar, hyperlipidemia, specifically high serum triglycerides, low HDL, which is the good, you know, lipids, chronic pain, abusive opioids or narcotics, and the metabolic syndrome. Now, metabolic syndrome, which actually occurs in about 25% of the population in the United States, is a condition that really needs a lot of our attention. It is really defined as a cluster of any three of the following. Abdominal obesity, hypertension, high blood sugar, high serum triglycerides, and low HDL. So some of the risk factors that are associated with developing the metabolic syndrome is age, obesity, sedentary lifestyle. With the way that we live today, and certainly with what's happening in the world and people are staying you know, at home much more, and people aren't moving around as much. Then take stress, take diet, sleep disorders, or mood disorder medications and alcohol, as well as a, a BMI greater than 30 as an increase of a risk of developing low T by two or three times. So it's important to take all this into consideration because we cannot take low T in its isolation, but with its relationships with all sorts of other medical conditions that by resolving those conditions or resolving or, or taking care of the low T levels, start changing all of those. So what does testosterone actually do? Well, like other hormones, they have many different effects on the various physiological systems in the body, as well as our brain. So testosterone influences insulin regulation. So it improves insulin sensitivity, so it works better. And therefore the glucose metabolism is optimized. Lipid profiles are improved, blood pressure. It maintains lean muscle and bone mass. Uh, assimilates sperm production and enhances, you know, sex drive, libido. But interestingly, testosterone is converted to estrogen and some of the effects of testosterone therapy or just testosterone in our bodies is mediated through the conversion into estrogen. So guys, you know, we need estrogen and girls, you need testosterone too. So Estrogen in males is important for what we call skeletal homeostasis, so the normal um, sort of physiology of the bone, lipid metabolism, so metabolism of your lipids and your fats, but also interesting, the feedback loop, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but the feedback loop in the brain, which actually for, affects the formation of testosterone. So benefits of testosterone replacement therapy include reducing inflammation, reduction of the metabolic syndrome, normal energy balance, reduction of fat, normal insulin balance, improving mood and libido, improving cognition, improved bone density, improved muscle mass, and increase 
and energy. So in the medical field, we actually differentiate between two types of hypogonadisms, or low T, primary and secondary. So in medicine, we actually refer to primary when the origin of the problem is in the primary site of the organ. And in this case, the testicle with testosterone is then made. Secondary then refers to anything outside of the testicles that can indirectly influence, influence how the testicle functions. And in this case, it's the hypothalamus and the pituitary glands in the brain. And these two glands are like control centers of many of the physiological and brain functions that basically you know, monitor and manage these functions with different types of signals, including hormones. So it is helpful to know the difference since the difference between primary and secondary, since we look at different levels of hormones in the plasma during our diagnostic workup so that we can understand or dis discern what the underlying cause of the problem is. And so this is the key. So um, in primary hypogonadism, the primary cause is in the testicle itself and specifically in a cell called Leydig cells, named after scientists who first uh, discovered it. So primary hypogonadism in adult males is usually the result of either infection, trauma, injury, cancer, um, advancing age, and certain medications will directly influence the formation of testosterone in the testes. So in primary low T or primary hypogonadism, still using that word, right? The level of T is low, but the messenger hormones, we'll talk about this now, the messenger hormones that are secreted by the hypothalamus and the pituitary are high. So the names of these hormones are LH for luteinizing hormone and FSH for follicular stimulating hormone and GNRH for gonadotrophin releasing home hormone. And they're tested during the diagnostic workup for low T. And usually, um, it's actually enough to measure just the LH and FSH and not the GNRH. And so in primary cause of low T or hypogonadism, so testosterone is low and the LH and FSH levels are high, an attempt of the pituitary and the hypothalamus to increase the production to get it to the level it needs to be. So in secondary hypogonadism involves the function of the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. And in this case, the hormone messengers secreted by these glands are lowered, and that is LH and FSH. So secondary hypogonadism is really the result of a, either a tumor in the pituitary or hypothalamus, iron overload syndromes, um, oftentimes an unknown cause of, of hypofunction of these glands, opioid abuse or narcotic abuse, alcohol and marijuana abuse, anabolic steroid abuse, systemic illness, nutritional deficiencies, um, severe obesity, and some sleep disorders. So most patients will actually not have a clear reason or diagnosis for having a low T. Now, other factors that also affect the hypothalamus, pituitary, and gonad axis is stress, smoking, uh, diabetes, 
depression, um, toxic levels of heavy metals, autoimmune disorders, and then also inflammation. And finally, really as men age, they actually begin to lose about 6 million cells per year in, in the testicles. And the cells themselves become less sensitive to the stimulating hormones and the secretion of the stimulating hormones decrease as well. So low T can be the result of a primary and secondary problem and often the actual cause, as I mentioned earlier, may simply remain unknown. But the important consideration in all of this is that regardless of cause, the patients will benefit from, from testosterone hormone replacement therapy. And, and that's the key message that you're gonna to wanna to know. Oh, by the way, uh, low T is also associated with cardiovascular disease as well as increased mortality rates. So it's important to get these back to normal to improve your quality of life as well as your longevity. So what is testosterone? Well, testosterone is the primary sex hormone and antibiotic steroid in men. It plays a key role in the development of the male reproductive system, including the testes and the prostate. It also promotes the secondary sexual characteristics like increase in muscle and bone mass and the growth of body hair. So testosterone is synthesized in the testes from cholesterol. Imagine that. So, so it's, in, it's, it's synthesized in various steps together with, hear this, progesterone and estradiol, which is one of the, which are the sex, um, the female sex hormones. So in fact, 80% of the estrogen in males is actually derived from testosterone, but only 0.3% of testosterone is actually converted to estrogen uh, in males by an aromatase enzyme, that's aromatase enzyme. And this is important as we shall see later on in this discussion. Testosterone mediates several of its effects through the conversion of testosterone to estradiol in the liver, in the bone, skin, brain, and adipose or fat tissue. So normal level of testosterone is a you know, sticky topic since clinical studies have revealed a very large range from 300 to 1,000 PG per DL as being normal. So the standard between, or the normal range between 300 and 1,000, sometimes up to 1,100, depending who you talk to. What we must take into, consider, into consideration is that the normal baseline of each individual at their peak production in the mid or late 20s is gonna be different for different individuals. As this baseline varies between individuals, and we must therefore consider not the absolute numbers, but the relative level to the normal baseline of the individual. So said again, because there's such a range of normal levels per individual, absolute numbers doesn't help unless we know what the relative difference is over time. Unfortunately, it's not a standard practice to measure testosterone levels in their mid-20s. And so this information is oftentimes or usually not available. So to give you an example, this is all relevant simply for the fact that a level 400 may be normal or high for one person and very low for another. 
So take for an example, an individual who at their peak in their mid twenties, late twenties was at say 350. And at the age of 50 presents with a level of 300. The relative difference is really quite small from their peak. Now take somebody who at their peak was 700 and now at the age of 50 present with a 400 level. Now this is a significant relative deficiency. So while not enough people are being actually evaluated for testosterone levels, especially the obese individuals, it could help them significantly. And most practitioners, when they do look at it, only look at the age-related normal levels, which we already know don't reflect accurately to a particular person. And they do decrease with age. So these numbers represent what is happening with the aging male, but not what would be considered as optimal for the particular individual. So continued research is actually needed to determine this and a careful conversation you know, with um, the physician is, is necessary. So in considering optimization of testosterone levels, we must take into account the following, symptomatic relief, improvement of overall wellness, strength, vitality, and con cognition, as well as the potential side effects of therapy and most of the, more of this later on in our conversation. So generally patients present to the doctor with a variety of vague symptoms of fatigue or loss, energy, and are not really quite aware of its significance of their somber moods or the lack of motivation or lack of confidence. As some people say, loss of the cool factor, nothing is cool anymore. So once placed on therapy, they begin to realize what has been missing in their life and reach a new level of zest, energy, and mental acuity. It is for this reason that treating with testosterone can be so rewarding as it has a profound effect on our physiology, chronic disease, disease, and our minds. So testosterone benefits, the, the benefits of testosterone are reduction inflammation, reduction of the metabolic syndrome, normal energy balance, reduction in fat, normal insulin balance, improved mood and libido and sex drive, improved cognition, so the function of your, your noggin, your brain, improved bone density, improved muscle mass, and increase in energy. So to recap, how testosterone levels are actually managed. So the pathway to form testosterone in the body actually starts with cholesterol, as I mentioned earlier, which is then converted to progesterone, which is then converted to another hormone called Androstenedione, you know, these medical guys that come up with these really complicated names, which then converts to testosterone. Testosterone in turn can be converted to estradiol, which is one of the estrogens, or to dihydrotestosterone, DHT. It's one of the labs that sometimes we get in the diagnostic workup. D DHEA is also formed from androstenedione. So within the whole cholesterol and steroid genesis or metabolism that makes cortisol and makes estrogen and makes progesterone also makes testosterone. So the control of the production and the release of testosterone is reliant on the different brain areas, which we mentioned earlier, the hypothalamus and the pituitary. 
There are essentially control areas in the brain that monitor and manage various systems in the body, including the hormone balance. The hypothalamus sends messages to the pituitary, and the pituitary then sends messages to the testis, where the Leydig cells are then um, formed to testosterone. So various factors will inhibit or promote the release of messengers along this pathway, which then result in an increase or decrease of testosterone. This is called hormone homeostasis and is generally how most of the physiological systems work in the body. With this, we can then appreciate the different reasons or pathways that will cause a hormonal imbalance and in our case, low T or hypogonadism in men. So when there's a low level of testosterone production in the lytic cells, the pituitary and the hypothalamus will elevate their messenger hormones LH, FSH, and GNRH to try to stimulate the production in the lytic cells. And all of this can be measured in the plasma. So we can diagnose this with a low T and a high LH, FSH, and GNRH. When the control centers in the hypothalamus or pituitary are malfunctioning, like in secondary uh, low T, then there is a reduced release of these messenger hormones, LH and FSH and GNRH, which results in a reduced stimulation and therefore production of testosterone in the lytic cells. Lab panels include total testosterone as well as free testosterone, the sex hormone stimulating hormones, LH and FSH, and two transport molecules called albumin and sex hormone binding globulins. And this is important to know because you might have a normal testosterone, but the low active free testosterone and therefore have hypogonadism because it's a free testosterone that actually does the work on the cells. So normally about 2% is free and another 38% is attached to the albumin, but most of it is actually attached to the sex hormone blinding globulins. And these are things that we get to measure as well. So after the age of 25, testosterone levels begin to decrease by about 0.4 to 1.4% per year. And this reduction is a result of a loss of lytic cells, as I mentioned earlier, usually in the range of 6 million cells per year, and then start off with about 600 or 700 million. A decrease in the sensitivity to the luteinizing hormone, <clears throat> the messenger hormone secreted by the pituitary gland, as well as an increase in the plasma transport protein of uh, sex hormone blinding globulin that binds the testosterone, thus preventing it from reaching cell membrane receptors. So there are many factors that will affect the hypothalamus. Some of those I already mentioned before, um, including depression, high BMI, metabolic disease, diabetes, smoking, stress, <clears throat> and chronic disease and sleep disorders. Inflammation is also associated with low T, since inflammatory cytokines like IL-1 beta or TNF-alpha or IL-1-6, or IL-6, I should say, impair the steroid genesis in the lytic cells. <clears throat> and inflammation also it contributes, by the way, to insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. But there's another hormone of interest, and that's leptin. You may have heard of this one. 
And this is a hormone that is predominantly made by adipose tissue and enterocytes. And these are the cells in the GI tract, the gastrointestinal tract. And it helps regulate energy and balance uh, or energy balance by inhibiting hunger, which, in then, which then in turn diminishes fat storage in the fat cells. Leptin acts on the centers of, of the hypothalamus that then affect hunger. So in obesity, <clears throat> there's a decrease in the sensitivity towards leptin, <clears throat> therefore resulting in the ability to detect satiety, satiety which is you know, um, loss of, of hunger, despite high levels of energy stores and high levels of leptin. And this is also associated with a decrease of release of GnRH from the hypothalamus, one of the, the hormones that stimulates the LH and FSH, which then stimulates the testosterone. So as I mentioned um, earlier, 0.3% of testosterone is converted to estrogen via an enzyme called aromatase. And there's an upregulation of aromatase activity, so which means more aromatase is active or formed because of alcohol, zinc deficiency, insulin resistance, inflammation, obesity, cortisol, leptin, and aging. So this is relevant since it can contribute to a reduction of the formation of testosterone through the feedback loops as, as contribution to abdominal obesity amongst other effects of estrogen. One effect of estrogen is on the production of new red blood cells, which is interesting. While testosterone can increase red blood cells by its effect on increasing iron uptake, estrogen does this by, uh, and a recent understanding of, of hematopoiesis shows that estradiol specifically is responsible for an increase in the stem cell proliferation in the bone marrow and its survival. So that's why, as we'll talk later, in some patients, you know, using anestrozole is an important part of the therapeutic regimen to reduce the amount of estrogen formed. So the systematic review of uh, and meta-analog, uh, let me try this one more time. The syst systematic review and meta-analysis, which means in scientific or uh, medical terms is a, an extensive review and comparing all sorts of different uh, variables in different studies has sh shown that there's no significant association between testosterone and venous thrombosis or embolism in men. And this is really important because one of the concerns of using testosterone is of course, how is that? Testosterone affects the lipolysis, which is fat uh, metabolism through the stimulation of what's called a beta adrenergic receptors, but also inhibits lipoprotein lipase activity, which then leads to a reduced triglyceride uptake in the central fat deposits. So that, that way you get to lean up more. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things to consider in, in obesity and the consumption of fatty foods, that these are associated with the break, break, breakdown of the intestinal mucosal integrity. So the GI lining that causes leaky gut and therefore the passage of gut bacteria into the systemic circulation, which then causes inflammation.
And then of course the inflammation causes reduced formation of testosterone. Interestingly, sleep has a fundamental effect on testosterone production. <clears throat> and by cutting back on sleep dramatically, it reduces the uh, testosterone levels in, in healthy men, actually. So now about the diagnosis. The diagnosis is complete when the lab panels are obtained, a history revealing complaints mentioned above, and any physical signs suggestive of low T or associated of low T. So the diagnostic testing, you know, we have to rule out systemic disease use of drugs, nutritional deficiencies, uh, inflama inflammation biomarkers called CRP and homocysteine. And then we do the usual, which is the CBC, which is the blood count, the PSA levels, and then uh, the total and free testosterone. We look at the uh, female sex hormones, estradiol. We look at the stimulating hormones, FSH, LH. Uh, we look at byproducts of testosterone, which is DHT. Of course, we have to look at the lipid panel um, and then the standard, you know, cardiometabolic panels, which is um, the different electrolytes and different kidney values and liver values. We look at the thyroid, vitamin D, and then prolactin and, and DHA, yeah, DHEA. So getting to the treatment, I like to put it in this format as treatment parameters. So there's a still a significant reluctance to either fully work up potential cases of low T and treat low T, mainly because of the misinformation and the reliance of old studies that, that don't adequately represent the physiology of testosterone. The functional or integrative health doctors, including chiropractic offices, have, act, have been actively involved with hormone replacement for quite some time and have really done a good job in managing these patients effectively. <clears throat> it is important to have a thorough discussion with a physician regarding your specific outcomes and fully understand how they approach low T. Is it simply to normalize levels? Is it to determine what the optimal level is? Is it to achieve super normal levels above 700 or 1000 range? Is it to address symptomatology of low T? So be clear, you know, how the clinician plans to address your condition is not enough simply to restore normal values. And then the other aspect of the treatment approach is to rule out other chronic conditions that may be causing or contributing to the overall problem at hand. Normal estradiol levels are between 20 and 30. As we mentioned, estradiol is formed from testosterone by the action of the aromatase enzyme. And so whenever replacement therapy is, is instituted, more estradiol will be produced through this conversion. So we must address that and, and, and do follow-up lab tests in regards to not only testosterone, but also the estradiol. And in particular cases, provide medication that will reduce the conversion into estrogen. And then of course, lifestyle modif modifications, diet and exercise must always be considered as part of the process of restoring a normal hormonal balance. And that's where the role of the patient is critical in understanding how this really complements everything 
and in particular, the, the systemic um, or generic symptoms that they have of fatigue and mental cognition will all be supported effectively by these lifestyle changes. So current guidelines of the endocrine society are to treat if the levels of testosterone are less than 300 and the patient is symptomatic and therefore restore the levels to between 700 and 1000. The most common method of treatment is with topical gel application of a testosterone formulation. Alternatively, um, you can do intramuscular subcutaneous injections. You can do topical patches in the intrabuccal patch, as well as oral tablets. But here's what's important about the oral tablet. The oral route has been discontinued and is no longer available in the United States due to concerns how it might be affected as it passes through the liver. All other routes bypass the liver entirely, so that's not a problem. Most men actually favor a topical gel for its, con for its convenience over an injection. The other benefits of, of a topical gel, which I particularly like, are that the levels may remain more consistent over time. But the problem is that, you know, Science shows that only 15% of individuals actually continue with this treatment after one year, and it's really not quite clear why this is happening. Testosterone replacement therapy can also be through the injection, as I mentioned, into the muscle or subcutaneously. This is performed once every one to two weeks or every once every, every three to four weeks at various dosing. After peak or after injections, Peak levels are actually quite high within the first several hours and then slowly decrease over time. So as a result, there are super high levels in the beginning and lower levels later on, which may actually cause large fluctuations in mood, energy, and, and libido as well. Pellets actually offer a sustained release over several months. However, some feel that this reduces the normal feedback loops in the brain and may cause a problem in the body's ability to form testosterone once the patients cease to use these pellets. So a couple of important things <clears throat> that we need to consider um, whenever we're treating with um, testosterone are the contraindications. Um, now, the... The, or contraindications and the potential side effects. So potential side effects include, you know, worsening symptoms of a benign prostate um, hypertrophy. Um, the, what we call virilization uh, in females or children with accidental exposure. So when you're using the topical gel, you may uh, rub it off on uh, other people polycythemia, which is increased uh, hemoglobin levels, edema, which is swelling, gynecomastia, which is large breasts, usually through the estrogen, uh, dyslipidemia, which is irregular uh, lipid levels, uh, hypercalcemia, which is elevated calcium. Uh, you can have allergic uh, uh, skin reaction to where you're applying the topical gels. Um, some would suggest that there's an increase of uh, risk of prostate cancer, although this is not proven and other studies suggest otherwise. Emotional <clears throat> lability, so uh, mood, mood fluctuations, 
due to the irregular um, fluctuations in the levels. Alopecia, which is hair loss. And some of the contraindications include, you know, history of the prostate cancer. Again, this is an ongoing research as, as to um, how to address this and suggesting that um, testosterone doesn't cause the cancer, but potentially promotes it if the cancer is there. Uh, the presence of a palpable prostate nodule or induration. So essentially, you know, cancer has to be ruled out. So going to a urologist to determine um, if you can get a clearance for testosterone therapy. Uh, the prostate-specific antigen level above four. And so essentially, this is a marker for prostate cancer. And so that obviously needs to be ruled out. And urological follow-up is required for that. Um, untreated severe obstructive sleep apnea, which means that, um, you know, this can contribute to uh, the sleep disorders. And then uncontrolled or poorly controlled heart failure. And then uh, severe uh, lower urinary tract symptoms and, um, and a hematocrit uh, above, um, you know, 54% by some, 50% by others. Um, it really depends on, on what guidelines you follow in regards to the hematocrit. So this essentially represents a full overview of most of what's going on in the area of, of testosterone replacement uh, therapy. What's important to consider is that a lot of men are actually afflicted by this condition and it affects their lives and affects their, their physical well-being and their mental well-being. Um, and it's worthwhile to um, diagnose whether low T is part of the problem <clears throat> and to begin to restore normal levels of uh, low testosterone. With this, then the big question comes to mind as to what's the optimal level. And this is still an ongoing debate. And with um, careful consultation and follow-up with your treating physician, that is something that um, can be discovered together. And so it's not so much, you know, following a cookie cutter <clears throat> uh, recipe of, you know, what treatments you're going to get and what numbers you should get. It's a matter of individualizing it with your um, physician or, or nurse practitioner, understanding how the, the changes have occurred and how to optimize this. It's not so that more is necessarily better. <clears throat> we need to get really dialed in into what is ideal for you. Um, the one thing about hormone replacement therapy is that you want to use bioidentical hormones. So these, what that means <clears throat> is that they're similar to the uh, molecular structure that um, you have in your body. In the past, we have used different types of hormones uh, that were not identical, and therefore some of these would cause a variety of different issues. So I hope this helps you have a, a better understanding of uh, testosterone replacement therapy. There's some great books uh, out there a good fr friend of mine is a chiropractor and he's a National Rejuvenation Center. He has written a great book um, about um, 
combining lifestyle and exercise and hormone replacement therapy uh, so that you can optimize uh, your life. And his name is Bartley Kerr, and he is developing the centers uh, all over the United States and doing a great job with that. So I am Dr. Bart Rademacher. Um, this is a prescription for your transformation, real people, real conversations, real success, bringing to you some of the insights that you're going to want to have about testosterone replacement therapy. Uh, please remember that um, you need to verify all this information with your treating uh, practitioner so that you can make the right decision for yourself. All this information really represents information that I've learned over the years, uh, reviewing all sorts of clinical papers and textbooks and giving to in a format that you can easily understand and do something with. Once again, uh, I'm Dr. Bart Rademacher. Thank you very much for listening and I will be back. Thanks for listening to Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Join Dr. Bart Rademacher live right here on StarWorldWideNetworks.com or on demand 24-7.